We started a series last week called A Year of Growth, and that's the word of the Lord to our church for 2016, as he said, this is a year of growth for us. Uh, he's been speaking that to us, and if you've been around for any length of time, you know that our church is a diverse supernatural community, helping others encounter Jesus Christ. So he is going to grow us in all of those aspects this year. He's going to cause us uh, to deepen our, the diversity that we have among us. He's going to cause uh, the amount of his activity, because at the end of the day, that's really what supernatural means, isn't it? It's, it's stuff that God does that goes beyond what we could produce in the natural. He is going to cause more of that to happen in our midst, and he's going to build a depth of community among us this year. So I really believe that is what he's speaking to our church this year, and through all of that, that is going to help more and more people encounter Jesus. When we go out into the world, we carry him with us, and that's one of the ways that people are going to see him this year. Uh, so a key verse that we've been going with in this series is Ephesians chapter 4, verse 15. Uh, it's been in your bulletin. We've read it a couple times, but here it is again. Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 15 says, God wants us to grow up, to know the whole truth and tell it in love like Christ in everything. One of God's goals for us is to grow up. Look at your neighbor and say, I'm going to grow. Yeah, I'm going to grow. Yeah. Now, now look at a look at a different person this time and say it like you really mean it this time, like like it's not just it's not just God's goal for me. I'm going to own it. It's going to be a goal for me. I am going to grow this year. That should be a cry of our heart that, Lord, I don't want to stay the same way I am. How many of us would be satisfied if our kids stayed the same way they were for the rest of their life? We want them to grow. We want them to experience the fullness of maturity and what life has to offer. And that's what God wants for us, too. So we are going to grow this year. And the end of that verse says, like Christ in everything. If you can look at any aspect of your life, any area at all, and you don't look exactly like Jesus, how many of you know that means I've got room to grow? There, there is something else that could be produced in my life to make me look like Christ in everything. What does that mean? That means like Christ in everything. That means when, when you go into a situation where there's hopelessness or healing is needed, you can pray for people. You can see supernatural things happen. God can give you wisdom. God can, can do things through your life that do the exact same thing. It produces the same result as if Jesus himself were standing there because he lives in you. So if we don't look like Christ in everything yet, we have room to grow. So we're going to grow this year. Uh, last week we started the series. We said that growth essentially means to increase and become mature. So we're going to increase in, in number, in influence, in scope, and we're going to become mature in some things. Growth involves change, and it should be a given that we all want to grow. If we're not growing, we're dying. That's one of the things we said last week. Uh, I threw out this stat I saw last week. The number one reason why churches stay small is small thinking and not being willing to do things that cause growth. And I think that's not just true corporately for churches. That's true for us as individuals, too. Sometimes small thinking keeps us from growing, and we stay the same as what we've always been. And we led off last week talking about two types of growth, unintentional and intentional growth, and they happen to everybody. If you missed last week, you can go back and listen to the, the sermon online and catch up with us. Uh, today, we're going to pick up talking a little bit more about intentional growth. What does it look like to make those choices in our lives? And then next week, we're going to have a little treat. I'm going to take a pause. Everybody say pause. I'm going to take a pause in the middle of our series on growth, and we're going to have our friend Kent Henry with us. He's going to be here Saturday night at 6. Everybody say Saturday. Saturday. 
I know that's that's a different day in the schedule than we usually set aside for church stuff. But Saturday night at six, he's going to be with us. We're just going to have an hour of worship and prayer. That's what we're going to do Saturday night and just soak the atmosphere and believe that God can do things in our lives just from coming and worshiping him, being in his presence. And then he'll be with us Sunday morning at 11 also. So great time to invite people. If, if you, How many of you were here last time Kent was with us? So quite a few of you. If you don't know who Kent Henry is, great worship leader. He's been leading worship for, I think, almost 40 years. He, he produced, he did like, uh, I think he led worship like six albums for Integrity Hosanna back in the, in the heyday of, of their record label, the 80s, 90s. So Kent is a great guy and really has insight into mingling worship and prayer together in the presence of God. So it's pretty cool. So that's the pause. And then after, after Kent's with us next week, we'll get back into growth and we'll talk about some more things that we can do to help us grow this year. So it's unlikely that someone would not want to grow, right? Everybody, every one of us should be embracing, yes, I want to change, I want to grow, but there are some dangers with it. And sometimes I think one of the dangers is we want the outcome of growth without putting in the work. Have you ever thought about that? Hey, I, I hear people talk about sometimes, I just want to win the lottery. How many of you know people like that? Oh, I'm not going to ask for hands on how many are people like that. Like, like, why do they want to win the lottery? Because they want the benefits of what comes from being wealthy without doing the work. Like, hey, if, if, I, just, if I just hit the right numbers, come on, I will, I will get the easy life. I will get all the money. And, and God's up there looking at us. He's like, I gave you the ability to produce wealth. I gave you a brain. I gave you hands. I gave you something to do. And at the end of the day, we don't realize, you know what? If I would have done the work, I could get to a point in my life where I have the same amount of money that I've earned through my work as if I would have hit the pick four. Come on. Or whatever whatever is out there. What do we play in Pennsylvania? I don't even know. The, I just know the Powerball was like a billion dollars or something. And you know what? Nobody around here won it. We all want the outcome, but we don't want to put in the work. There's, there's other ways that, that that gets expressed. You know, people, I want to be the boss. Come on, I don't want to put in the time to climb up the ladder. I want, I want everyone's respect without putting in the work to do it, without growing as a person and becoming a person that would be worthy of that respect. Sometimes we want the outcomes, but we're not willing to put in the work. Or in church, we see this a lot of times. Somebody will come and, and they'll give you their business card with their title on it. You know, I am apostle so-and-so. It says it right here on my business card. And you're thinking, well, what, what churches are you in relationship? Who do you oversee? What, where are you doing the work of an apostle? And it's like they don't want to do the work. They just want the title. Just, just ordain me without putting in the, the time that I need to, to be seasoned. Come on. is anybody, I mean, we could go down the road and think of all kinds of examples, but that is a real danger that people, they want the outcomes of growth, but they're not willing to grow to put in the work to do it sometimes. And we are here. Part of what God is calling us as a church this year, as individuals and corporately, is I'm going to put in the work. I, I'm going to make choices to grow this year in my life, to do things intentionally. This is where we picked up last week. We said we are going to make intentional choices. We are going to do things on purpose to grow in our lives this year. Intentional growth is the type of growth that we have control over because we do things on purpose. Here, here's another, I don't have this one on, on the screen, but this is, this is a truth. This is a reality in our lives. You are as mature this morning as you have chosen to be in life so far. And that's like, when I, when I think about that, that's kind of an ouch moment sometimes. Like, oh, the, the places where I still act childish and the places where I make bad decisions. It's like, you know what? I'm only as mature as I've chosen to be in my life 
as, as, the, as the amount of work I've chosen to put in to grow in my walk with Christ and my walk with others. So we are looking at intentional growth. Pam read this verse this morning during worship, 1 Corinthians 13, 11. This is kind of where we left off this week. The Apostle Paul says this, When I was a child, I talked like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I put childish ways behind me. And uh, the message, we read the message translation last night. It actually says, when, when I was a child, I gurgled and cooed like a baby. Come on, that's, that's what Paul's really saying there. When I was a child, I acted just like you expect kids to act. But when I got older, when I matured, because that is the connotation of that verse, is I chose to put childish things behind me. I stopped doing some of those things. I made conscious decisions to put things away in my walk with Jesus. These things aren't helping me to become more like Christ in every way. So I'm going to stop doing those and embrace something different. Now, I had a question this morning, and, and we debated back and forth about, is this an okay prop to use in church? How many of you know what this is? I had, I had Levi was at my house yesterday, and I got this out of the closet. And he says, Pap, what is that? And I'm like, Really, you don't know? You just, like, you just used it. How many of you, and this, this is clean, by the way, so you can still shake my hand after church. I've wiped it down with a disinfectant wipe, and it's, it's good, good to go. How many of you have ever had a traumatic experience with potty training? And some of you, you're, you're thinking, I don't remember any traumatic experiences from my childhood because we kind of forget as kids, don't we? How many of you parents have had an ex- a traumatic experience with training your kids to, to go on the potty. Come on, that's, that's a little more real because some of us, we have kids that for whatever reason, they're not interested. They don't want to go. It's, it's not on their radar. I, can I tell, am I allowed to tell a story on Eli since he's not in the room? Sure. <laughs> Heather's like, what else am I going to say right now? You just put me on the spot. Eli's at our house one time. And, and he's only two, so this is okay. This is an okay story to do this. But he's getting to that point kind of where, hey, I know what's going on, and I ought to be aware of some things. So I'll ask him sometimes. I'm like, man, Eli, I think you got to go to the bathroom. Do you want to try to go on the potty? And he looks at me, no. <laughs> like, come on, are you sure you'll be like a big boy? No, I don't want to do that. Like, He's not interested right now for whatever reason. And he's kind of getting to that age where he's starting to be aware and we're bribing him with the candy and everything. Like, hey, if you, if you go on the potty, you get a piece of candy. And like some kids don't want to go. They don't want to have that, that training and that experience. They won't embrace the potty chair. Why? Did you ever think about why not? I, for me, if, if I'm thinking of like a little kid, I'm thinking, hey, I don't want to be interrupted. I'm playing. I'm having fun. And someone else will clean up my mess. How often is that like our walk with God where he's wanting us to grow and it's like, I don't have time. I don't want to be interrupted. And somebody else always cleans up my mess after me. And God's wanting us to embrace some things, just like we're wanting Eli to embrace the potty. Uh, Everybody eventually does it, right? I don't, and no one in this room over the age of three or four, right? No one in this room is not potty trained, okay? We, everybody does it eventually, and they embrace the potty chair. We embrace growing up in that aspect. Why do we embrace growing up in that aspect? Because we start to realize that if we continue to act like a two-year-old our whole life, nobody wants to be around us. Come on, isn't that true? 
And so eventually we all do things just like Paul says in that verse. We choose to put childish things behind us because we recognize it's detrimental to our relationships. My relationship with God's not going anywhere. My relationship with people like nobody even wants to be around me because I'm still acting like a two year old. Eventually we have to make choices to leave stuff behind to mature so that we can move forward and grow. And that's exactly what Paul is talking about in that verse. When we mature that way, what do we do? We start to say yes to our parents. We start to deal with our own mess. We start to make decisions to put childish things behind us. We make intentional choices to grow. And some of the things that happen, I'm going to give you a couple things that will help us on the road to making some intentional choices to grow this year. And I'm going to give you a few this morning. The first thing that is an intentional choice that I can make. I can make it. Everybody put your hand on your chest say, me. All right, so this is not pastor's going to make it for you. This is not your friends. are going. You can actually do this. Each one of us can make a choice to embrace these things to grow this year. The first thing I have this morning is believe on and act on the words of Jesus. This, this, we think, oh, well, that's like, that's not very deep, Pastor Chris. You know, that's like a Sunday school answer there. It's just Jesus, right? Yes, I know this is not very deep, but this will help you grow. Embrace the words of Jesus. Put them in your heart. Begin to act on them. This is, this is what it says. Uh, oh, I had a couple thoughts about that. You can't intentionally grow if you don't have a vision of where you want to be, of where you're going in your life. You, you have to have some idea of where I want to go or you'll never know if you're getting there. And has anybody ever experienced this? If you don't have a vision for your life, Somebody else will. Somebody else will help fashion, shape, and direct your life, or they'll try to. And often, it's, it could be the devil, it could be the government. You know, maybe those two are linked for you. Uh, usually, it's, it's abusers or controllers. People, people that don't have your best interest in mind will try to fashion your life and run it if you don't have a vision for where you want to be yourself. And most of the people outside of yourself or maybe your spouse or some or your mom, somebody that really loves you outside of those people that really love you. Most of the people that want to run your life and have a vision for your life are not interested in that vision, causing you to experience abundant eternal life. They, they are out to use you and, and discard you when they're done. And thankfully, Jesus has a vision for our life. That includes abundant eternal life. And if we line up what we want to do, our goals and our desires of where we want to be, if we line them up with his vision, things are going to go well for us. Romans 10:17 says this. It says, when we've all heard this, this is a very famous verse. Consequently, faith comes from hearing the message, and the message is heard through the word of Christ. If you grew up reading the King James and memorizing, what's it say? Faith comes through hearing the word. We all say the word. Faith comes through hearing the message or hearing the word, and the message is heard through the word of Christ. The Amplified says the message that came from the lips of Christ. Literally, what's implied in that passage, life comes, faith comes. It's awakened in us from actually hearing the words of Jesus, what he spoke, what he taught, what he did with his life. That's what causes faith to come alive in us. Paul says faith is awakened and grown by hearing what Jesus said taking it in and doing something with it in our lives. If you remember, I think it was John chapter 6, Jesus asked the disciples, hey, are you guys all going to leave me too? And what did they reply? Where else are we going to go? You have the words of eternal life. 
what they were saying is there was a difference when Jesus talked than when anybody else talked. When, when they went to the synagogue and they heard the teachers of the law and they listened to these, these guys that were training them, man, something might have happened, something not. But when Jesus talked, man, so, something just comes alive. Something springs up in me. I feel different. There's something awakened in me when you talk, Jesus. And where else am I going to go to get that? The words of Jesus actually produce life in us. Come on, all scripture is good for you. It says it, it says it in Timothy, all scripture is good for you, but Jesus is the key to all of it. Every single bit of it. If you're, if, I don't care if you're reading in Genesis through Malachi and the Old Testament, Jesus is still the key to it. And everything we read ought to be filtered through that lens of where's, where's Jesus in this? How does this line up with how he showed the Father and represented him? Everything, everything comes through. What did Jesus say about that? And where did Paul get the idea that Jesus' words are what was so important? That he says faith comes from hearing the message of Christ and hearing what he spoke. Where did he get that idea that, that that's what was really important? Think from Jesus. If you remember the Great Commission, what did Jesus tell us to do? Matthew 28, he said this, Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded them. And surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. Here is, this this might be a shocker for some of us, but in the Great Commission, Jesus didn't actually say, go get people to pray the sinner's prayer. Because sometimes that's all we reduce it to. I gotta get a notch on my belt, get another chalk on the scorecard. And I'm not against praying the sinner's prayer, okay? Because I think there, there is something very beneficial to putting a stake in the ground and saying, this is the day when I know, I know that I know that I know that I met Jesus and he came and made his home with me. There is, there is benefit to that. But what did Jesus actually say in that verse? He said, go and make disciples. He said, teach them to obey everything I told you so that you'll turn them into Christ followers, so that you'll make disciples out of them. Too often, I think we've reduced the Great Commission to just, hey, let's have an altar call, pray the prayer, and then great, you're on your own. And what he was more interested in is, am I getting these words inside of your life that it changes and grows you? He said, teach them to obey everything I commanded he wants us that people always want to know what does God want me to do, right? It's, how many of you ever get that question from friends? Maybe I just get it more often than you as a pastor. But people are always saying, "Well, pastor, tell me what does God want me to do with my life?" Like this, they want this big, heavy revelation. Like, well, you know, God wants you to go climb a mountain somewhere and preach the gospel. They're always wanting these big ideas, and it's like, well. Pretty sure the number one priority that God has for you is to get the words of Jesus in your life and to start living, believing, and acting on what Jesus said. Like, like too many times we, we want these deep revelations of God. You know, sometimes when, when people first get saved, they, they ask these crazy questions like, well, tell me what this means and, and the mysteries of the universe and all this. And it's like, how about just starting with the simple stuff? You know, the, the black and white stuff that Jesus taught about love your neighbor and be kind to one another. Be, be people of faith when you go into any circumstance. There are things that we need to be doing that are black and white, and Jesus said them and will cause us to grow. Man, they're all over the place this morning. I love babies. Aren't ba- Don't you love having babies in church? 
Come on, I would, I would much, I would much, if we're going to grow, part of growing this year is having babies in church, okay? That's, that's the best kind of church growth. I would, I would love to hear that sound over, over it being so quiet and solemn because we're all like, you know, 90 years old and just staring at each other and not able to do anything. Thank God for babies. Tell your neighbors, thank God for babies. Oh, Jesus wants us to order our lives according to his voice and what he actually said. You know, stop, stop looking for the deep mysteries of life and let's start doing the simple stuff first. Let's start doing what he told us to do in black and white. Let's, let's get out of our comfortable boat. Just like he told Peter, step out on the water there. Some of us need to hear that. We need to read the words of Jesus and let them affect our lives. Uh, you know, when I was thinking about the people getting born again, they want to know all these deep things. How many of you have ever tried to teach uh, physics and quantum science to a three-year-old. <laughs> Nobody in the room. Maybe I think Keith Weaver started learning physics at three, but uh, probably none, none of the rest of us. You're not teaching those type of things to a three-year-old. What are you telling your three-year-old? Heather, what are you telling your three-year-old? <laughs> your two-year-old. You're almost three-year-old. Wash your hands. Let's share. Be nice. Don't hit him. Like, like that's the kind of stuff we're not saying, you know, the, these great mysteries of physics and the quantum mysteries of the universe. We're telling them, let's, let's start being nice to one another. Let's, let's act kindly towards one another. Let's remember to clean up after we pour the toys all over the floor so, so mom or dad doesn't step on them in our bare feet in the middle of the night. Come on. Those are the kind of things we're telling a three year old. That's what we start with. And here, it's the same thing in our Christian walk. Jesus wants us to start with the simple stuff. There, there are mysteries to be seen and understood, but there are simple things that we need to be put in our lives. And this is actually how Paul said it to the church in Corinth. In 1 Corinthians 3, verse 1, he says this, Brothers, I cannot address you as spiritual, but as worldly, mere infants in Christ. I gave you milk, not solid food, for you are not yet ready for it. Indeed, you are still not ready. And why are they not ready? Verse 3 tells us the answer. He says, you are still worldly, for since there is jealousy and quarreling among you, are you not worldly? Are you not acting like mere men? Basically, Paul's saying, I had to bottle feed you because you're such babies. Come on, isn't that, isn't that a harsh letter? There were some things in Corinthians that it's like, ouch. You know, I wouldn't want to get that letter and have those things said to me. But that's essentially what Paul's saying. I had to bottle feed you because you're acting like babies with one another. And I'm not ready. I can't give you spiritual meat. I got to keep giving you milk. And he ends the verse. He says, you're, you're acting like mere men. What's he, what's he mean by that? You're acting like mere men. There's nothing supernatural about you. You, you are not demonstrating the supernatural life of Christ. You are acting like mere men because there's still jealousy and quarreling. You can't even get along with each other. For, forget the deep mysteries of the universe. You guys are acting like babies with each other. And how is that going to attract the world? How is that going to reveal Jesus to people when you can't even get along with each other? And all of Paul's people in the congregation said, ouch. That, that may have been the first ouch message. A sign of immaturity is not getting along with other people, and especially people in the church. That's, that ought to be our, our number one thing that we should get down the quickest and the easiest is, man, I love you guys, and we're going to get along, and we're going to walk this thing out together. And the, and the, the, oh, how many of you have ever met somebody that decided not to go back to church, and they're, they're living their life far from God, 
because of the mess that was going on in churches they went to. You know, they, they walk in the door and it's like, man, it's all about a show and, and who's arguing with who and the gossip. And people are like, I, I got that in my relationships at home. Why do I need to come to church to get more of it? There ought to be something that if we want to grow, part of what's going to happen when we grow is that stuff drops off. We begin to, to walk out loving each other and getting along together. And that leads to a second choice we make. You know, so we're, we're going to believe and act on the words of Jesus, pour those into our lives. Not, come on, don't just, don't just memorize them. It's not doing you any good if you just memorize it. You've got to be living it. We have to be acting on what Jesus said. And the second intentional choice, because it's important to get along with each other, to mature, the second intentional choice is to choose to forgive. And that is biggie. That is a big one. Did I just, did I just say that is biggie? Is that like a rap guy or something? Biggie? That's the biggie choice. Biggie forgivey. I don't know. For for those of you that are called to the hip hop community, there's your rap name for you. Your biggie forgivey. Not forgiving somebody will stunt your growth. We we talked about doing things that intentionally stunt our growth last week. Not forgiving is one of them. It'll mess you up spiritually, physically, emotionally. Unforgiveness will really destroy your life I, I, remember, I remember meeting this lady in mexico and uh, we went to pray for her and she was all gnarled up she was like laying on her bed and her hands were like this and she couldn't even get out of the bed she was she was so racked up with this pain and like arthritic type of condition and i start praying with her and all of a sudden it's like god gives me this word he gives me some discernment and and i ask her man how's your relationship with your daughters and she's like oh it's it's terrible. They, they treat me bad. I'm angry with them. I, I don't get along with them, blah, blah, blah. She starts telling me all this stuff. I says, well, here's what we're going to do. We're going to pray, and we're going to ask. We're going to pray, and you're going to forgive your daughters. And if you need help, you're going to ask God to help you forgive your daughters. But that was, that was the gist of it. And as soon as she started praying to forgive her daughters, all of a sudden her hands started opening up. And so we, we start praying for healing then. Like she prays through this prayer of forgiveness. And the next thing you know, she's up off her bed and like doing this number and like, like, hey, I never could do this before. And she gets so excited from getting healed that she, she, she goes to her house and she gets us coconuts and fruit and, and these, all this stuff. Like my friend and I that went to pray for her, the translator, we're carrying all these coconuts and all this stuff that the lady gave us. And we go back to this church where her pastor was from because they were there working on the church and putting a new roof on. And we walk in the door with our arms full of coconuts. <laughs> it's like, where'd you get all that stuff? And we're like, well, this lady gave it to us, and it all came out of she got healed because she forgave. Because the unforgiveness that she had been holding on to in her heart was actually affecting her physical body and causing her to be all gnarled up. In fact, she came back to the church, and she tells the pastor, I want to give $50 to buy new metal sheets for the roof. And the pastor was just like like blown away. Like, who, is this the same lady that you went to pray for ahead of time? But it came out of her being willing to forgive she would have never grown. She would have never experienced generosity. She would have never experienced that healing if she had held on to that unforgiveness in her heart. Unforgiveness will mess you up physically, spiritually, and emotionally. Come on. You can't, it's impossible for you to tell me you're emotionally healthy if, you've, if somebody walks in the room and, and they make you angry just by them being in the room with you. Come on. Unforgiveness will mess you up. And if we want to grow, one of the things we have to do is choose to forgive. 
Jesus explains the principle in Matthew. He had just finished teaching them how to pray. They, they said, Lord, teach us to pray. He goes through the Lord's Prayer, one of the most famous passages in Scripture. And this is right after the Lord's Prayer. This is the only thing out of the Lord's Prayer that Jesus goes back and reiterates again. Matthew chapter 6, verse 14, he says, For if you forgive men when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. Out of everything that he could have said after the Lord's Prayer, the only thing he goes back and hits on again, because it was so important, is forgiveness. And he says, if you forgive men their sins, your Father will forgive you. But if you don't forgive them, your Father won't forgive you. And part of the prayer he had just taught him was basically, forgive us the wrongs we've done as we extend forgiveness to the people that have wronged us. Right? You guys remember that in the Lord's Prayer. Sometimes we say trespasses or offenses. But it's basically, hey, where I've done wrong, Lord, forgive me just the same way that I forgive people that have done wrong to me. And I don't think Jesus is not talking about heaven or hell here. He's, he's not talking about, oh, sorry, Zach, you're not going to get to go to heaven because you didn't forgive that one guy, so I'm not going to forgive. He's not talking about heaven or hell. He's talking about the effects of unforgiveness. He's talking about what, what does sin produce every single time that we allow it to come in our lives? It produces death. And, and God's up there saying, man, I want to help you avoid the effects of death. I want to help you not experience this pain, not experience this decay and this destruction in your life. He's like, but I can't because you're holding on to unforgiveness in your heart. And sometimes the, the things that we experience, the, the death that we're experiencing because of sin is because we've kept somebody else on the hook for something they've done to us. That's, that's Jesus talking there. This is not a book that I read like somebody wrote about the Bible. This is in the Bible. And he says, if you don't forgive others, you're going to continue to reap the effects of sin and death. And, and again, it's not, I don't think it's a heaven or hell issue. It is a right here, right now issue. Am I going to be free in my life or am I going to continue to experience death and destruction because I'm holding unforgiveness in my heart? How am I going to grow if I'm not forgiving? Growing and dying usually don't happen together. You're, you're either doing one or the other. And if we're, if we're choosing to hold on to unforgiveness, we're letting death operate in our lives. You can look at your neighbor and say, he's right. <laughs> Even if you don't agree with me, you can still say that to your neighbor. I mean, that's a hard thing to say, and that's a hard saying of Jesus. That's, that's one of those ones that sometimes you, you read it and you're like, ooh, Jesus, I wish you didn't say that. That's a, that's a difficult one to wrap my mind around, but he said it. And it all relates back to are we going to forgive or are we going to hold on to unforgiveness in our heart? Jesus, Jesus really did say the degree that you let others off the hook, because you know, we all have a hook that we put people on, right? Hey, you owe me. You did this to me. You, you. We all have a hook. And if we let people off the hook, man, it, it frees us from something. I don't, I don't know who this is for either, but somebody saying they're sorry is not a prerequisite for you forgiving them. Like, if that's you, just soak that in for a minute. Somebody saying they're sorry is not a prerequisite for you forgiving them. Jesus didn't say, hey, if they apologize, if they come back and try to make it right, if they let everybody know that they were the one that was wrong in this situation. He doesn't make any of those qualifiers. He just says, you forgive them if you want to experience the benefits of forgiveness from the Father. And there, that might, 
Out of everything I say today, that might be something we need to hear the most. We, we are called to be forgivers, whether anybody apologizes or wants or asks for our forgiveness. Uh, he goes on. There's a couple times Jesus made a similar statement. Matthew 18, if you go back and read that later, the story of the unforgiving servant. You guys remember that one. Uh, a guy owed the king all kinds of money, and he begged for his life, and the king says, okay, I'll forgive your debt. And what did that guy do? He goes out and finds somebody that owed him like five bucks. And the guy's like, I can't pay, I can't pay. And he has him thrown in jail until he works off his debt. And the king gets so irate over that situation. He's so angry. He says, I I just forgave you, you know, millions, thousands of dollars, whatever it was. And you're throwing that guy in jail for five bucks. The king actually says, this is in the story, Matthew chapter 18. The king says, throw that wicked servant in jail for the torturers to deal with him. And then this is how he ends that whole story in Matthew chapter 18, verse 35 says, This is how my heavenly Father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother from your heart. Ow! Like that's another one. Jesus, why'd you have to go there? Why'd you have to say that? He actually says that the guy's getting handed over to be tortured. And he says, this is how your heavenly Father will treat you if you don't forgive your brother from your heart. If we want to grow, we have to forgive. I don't, I don't want to reap the, the torture of my own mess because of unforgiveness. If, if I could be let off the hook just by forgiving somebody. Forgiveness is huge if we want to grow. But how many of you know if we want opportunities to grow, that means we have to be around people. The, the more you stay away from people, the less opportunities you have to get offended Unless you're sitting at home thinking they never came to see me. Then you get offended and you have to forgive them anyway. I don't know what it is, but, but we have to choose to be around people. And that's the third thing this morning. You know, we, we want to believe and act on the words of Jesus. We want to choose to forgive. And the third intentional choice we make to grow is to plant and put down roots. This is, this is what I mean by that. Uh, we, we are going to do a series on community in April. So I'm going to talk a lot about us getting along together and putting down roots and planting. I'll just hit it briefly this morning. There are over 50 commands in the New Testament that have something to do with one another. Like this is not arguing about is it grace or law? Is it the Ten Commandments? Is it the Old? This is in the New Covenant 50 times plus. There are commands that say, do this to one another, love one another, forgive with one one another, bear one another's burdens, all these commands that are in there. It's impossible. It's impossible to fully live out the Christian life and to grow into what God wants you to be without being in community, with, without being around other people, and, and not, not just around other people, without being in the context of being committed to a local church. Can I say it that way? is impossible to grow without being committed somewhere, without planting and putting down roots. Why is that? Because you get more opportunities to forgive and grow with people you know the most and people that you're in relationship with and your family that you're committed to. I, Come on, as much as I love you guys, the majority of my Christian growth experience has been in the context of being in my family. And God takes that out to the next level in our church family. And the more I'm committed and the more I've chosen to plant and put down roots, because when, when I plant and put down roots, what I'm doing is I'm saying, I, you know, I, I took vows with Pam. So what I'm doing is I'm saying, hey, we might be upset at each other right now. 
We, we might be offended. We might be angry even. But because of our relationship, we're going to work through that stuff. And if you're not committed and planted somewhere, when the anger and the, and the issues happen, you say, well, I'm just going to go somewhere else where there's a whole bunch of people that I don't have those issues with. And we miss opportunities to grow because we're not planted and committed and putting down roots somewhere. You always have more opportunities to grow when you're committed to someone or something. It's, it's easy. You don't, you don't get the chance to grow if it's just, hey, it doesn't matter to me. It doesn't mean anything. <laughs> oh, I'm going to wrap up quick because I'm tired of stepping on all of our toes this morning. It's Valentine's Day. We've got to go celebrate love and have fun. And How many of you know plants grow because of what's going on underground? more often than what you see happening above ground. And it's the same way with our Christian walk. When we put down roots, when we choose to plant somewhere, there is health and growth that's happening because of those decisions we've made. I, I think about, you know, the, the grass being out in your yard. The roots grow together like this. And you can't, it's, it's hard to pull up just one blade of grass, isn't it? Because the roots are intertwined and they support and they feed each other. It's the same way in our, in our walk together in a church. It's hard to just for the devil to come and just pick one person out of the middle if we've got roots that are intertwined with each other. There's a, there's a bamboo tree that grows in China that when you put the seed in the ground, it goes five seasons before it actually sprouts anything up through the ground. What's it doing for five seasons? You know, because the, the farmer still is like watering it and making sure the soil's good. What's it doing for five years before anything pops up through the surface? It's putting down roots. It's extending its roots far and wide and intertwining with other bamboo trees. And then all of a sudden, after five years, when it starts to grow, you can actually sit and watch it. It's, it's not like watching the grass grow or watching paint dry. Like, like bamboo will actually grow almost two feet a day when it starts breaking through the surface. Like, I, f- I forget the actual, I, if I was really super nerdy and didn't care about you guys, I would remember all those dimensions and tell you, like 90 centimeters in an hour, I don't know. Our roots are meant to intertwine with each other, and they give us strength, and they cause growth to happen in seasons. And it's hard to have that root system and to grow the way God wants us to grow if we're not planted somewhere. And we're not putting down those roots. Uh, Matthew 13, 20, it says this, uh, the parable of the sowers, Jesus says, The seed sown on the gravel represents the person who gladly hears the kingdom message, but his experience remains shallow. Your experience remains shallow if you never put down roots. If you don't choose to plant somewhere and actually start to grow in the context of a committed church. And uh, here is this is, my, this is my last ouch point for the morning, okay? You guys, you guys okay with one more ouch point? Some of you are like, I don't know. And some of you are like, yes, give it to us, Pastor. We want to grow. We said it to our neighbor at the beginning of service, whether we meant it or not. I want to grow. I was listening to a sermon this week by Stephen Furtick. And I, I heard he said this quote. He says, some of you have never known the joy of belonging to a church because you've never embraced the sacrifice of staying in one. I thought... That is an ouch point if ever there was one, isn't there? We, we talk about the benefits of church and all the joy it can produce in our lives and, and having these relationships where we bear each other's burdens, where we're, we're mutually accountable to each other, where we're growing in the faith. It's, it's an awesome thing to be part of a church. But sometimes we're not willing to embrace the sacrifice of staying in one. Ah, it's impossible 
to fully grow into what God wants us to be without planting and putting down roots, without being in the context of committed relationships in a local church. And all God's people said, Amen. <laughs> Let's go ahead and stand. You guys have been patient this morning. <laughs> That's good. Sometimes we we get in a church and we, we enjoy it. The first little bit that we're there, it's just like a honeymoon in a marriage, isn't it? And then we realize, oh, marriage, take, marriage takes work. Oh, yeah, Robin just said, oh, my. Like, like that same oh, my revelation we have about marriage, that it's not always like the honeymoon. That happens in our relationships in church, in the family of God. Or it's, it's like, oh, this church is wonderful. How long have you been there? Oh, like two weeks. Everybody's perfect. You know, they're, they're so awesome. They're so loving. And then like six months later, like, ugh, that person said that thing to me. You know, I was, come on. We have these oh my moments. But whatever God is speaking to you to grow this year, He's calling us higher than that. He's calling us to let some of those things go, to fully commit and to plant and to choose to grow this year. So whatever God, like last week we prayed, what God speak to me about where I should grow this year. Whatever God's speaking to you about growing this year, what does Jesus say about it? Like if, if, if you don't have time to read any of the rest of the Bible, start in the Gospels. Just keep reading about Jesus and see what he says and does and filter your life through that. God, you want me to grow in this area? Let me start seeing what did Jesus say about that? And he's wanting me to be more generous. Let me start meditating on all the things Jesus said about generosity. That'll work you. <laughs> when, when he starts speaking to you about growing, start thinking, man, are there, are there people I need to forgive? You know, is there somebody involved that's holding, am I holding my own growth back by choosing not to forgive somebody? And, and then there, there may just be an aspect of, man, he really, if I want to grow, I'm going to have to really put down some roots this year and be accountable and be in relationship with people to develop a deeper sense of community than I've ever had before. It all works together. But there are intentional things that we can choose to do that will produce growth in our lives this year. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your desire for us to grow. And Lord, we recognize that not all growth is easy, not all growth is comfortable, but boy, does it sure benefit us. Lord, the growth that you bring into our lives causes us to be more like Jesus, that, that you really love us so much that you sent Jesus to the cross for us so that your life could begin to be produced in us, that you want the life of Christ to be seen in us in every way. So, Lord, even as, as you continue to speak to us about growing this year, as you continue to speak to our hearts about ways as individuals that we need to grow, things that we need to put behind us, Lord, give us the grace to do it. Lord, let us embrace that kind of life, just like the Apostle Paul would say, that I will choose to put some things away because they're childish, because they're holding me back, because they're keeping me immature. And we will embrace the vision of what you have for us, Lord. God, I particularly ask for the people in this room that have somebody in their heart that they need to forgive. Lord, I just I ask that you would pave the way for that through the work of your Holy Spirit, softening our hearts, 
softening where we've been hard in our unforgiveness, Lord. Ask that you would help us to be people that are quick to forgive, God. The same way, Jesus, that you forgave the people that were crucifying you, let us be quick to forgive. Lord, I ask that you would keep your hand on us as we leave this place. Lord, that you would let our lives be seen by the people around us, that they would see how you're growing us up, that you would see that they would see the image and nature of Jesus being formed in us, and that through our lives they would encounter you. Lord, I bless your people right now. I thank you for your goodness, your mercy that's seen in our lives. Just the the pleasure of your face that shines upon us, Lord, as a loving Father. God, continue to walk with us even as we go from this place today. We just love you and we honor you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen.